Welcome to Let It Be Easy with Susie Moore. Where do I start with Caitlin Donovan? I love this woman, and this may be one of my favorite interviews ever. We speak about burnout in this episode. And burnout certainly has become mainstream. We hear it talked about a lot online. Everyone has different opinions about what burnout is and how to recover from it, how to prevent it. But in my eyes, Caitlin is truly the expert. She's the host of Fried, the burnout podcast, and she speaks often and coaches on this matter. This is her specialty. And we connected when I was on her podcast a few months ago after being connected by a wonderful friend. And I just loved her. I loved her conviction. I loved how straight speaking she is. She just uh, tells it like it is. And she really breaks down what burnout is. Frankly, it's not what I thought it was. And breaks down how, like what to do, how to deal with it, whether you're experiencing it, whether it's someone on your team, whether it's someone that you love and what to look out for. I love this conversation deeply. And I think that if you walk away with anything today, it's going to be your awareness about what it is that you need in order to thrive, not just now, but in the long term. You matter. Your dreams matter. Your energy matters. Even everything that your body requires, it matters. We don't need to skip over ourselves. In fact, we're doing the whole world a disservice when we do that. So I think you'll take a lot away from Caitlin today, even if burnout isn't on your radar. It hasn't been on mine until recently since I met Caitlin, frankly. And gosh, this is going to be a very, very worthwhile hour of your time. So my friends, I give you Caitlin. Caitlin Donovan. Oh my gosh. Welcome to the Let It Be Easy podcast. I can't even believe I'm here. I am so happy you're here. I have not stopped thinking about you since I was on your podcast, Fried, incredible podcast to listen to my friends. And I have a lot of questions on this topic and you are the expert. So I was thinking to myself as I prepared, I was like, where do I even begin? And then I thought, Caitlin, I would love to hear from you how you came to be so passionate about this topic, your own personal story with burnout two times in your life? You know, two times or just lasting a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not really sure which is true. Yeah, that's anymore. So, already that's so interesting. It's like you went through it twice or it was just one period and he tuned into it twice. Yeah. And I think that as a stress management expert. So when you finish mm -hmm. acupuncture school, which is a master's degree in Chinese medicine, mm -hmm. you have officially just spent four years learning how every single thing affects the body, how mm -hmm. every stressor affects the body from the emotions to elements, to other people, to relationships, to and anything that you can imagine. It mm -hmm. stresses the body and it, your body reacts. So all I did for years was talk about stress. And then all I did for years was treat stress. So when my body started shutting down and when I started really not feeling generous toward my patients is like the very nice way to put it. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. I started not feeling generous toward my patients, 
I started not really caring what their results were. I was a fertility acupuncturist at the time. So I'm helping people do the most important thing in their lives. And I didn't care, which is mm-hmm. awful to say, but true. Mm-hmm. I didn't I, I didn't come to burnout because A, I didn't know what it was. And B, I wouldn't ever assume that something like that would touch me. Mm. Isn't that interesting that you had this career healing others, helping others, but yourself, you, it just kind of, uh, <laughs> that, that was an afterthought or I'll worry about me later. Let me show up for my people. Let me give all the things. I mean, Caitlin, I feel as if burnout is, I mean, it's something that we hear all the time now, mm, Yeah, right? It's like burnout, 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 all the hashtags, people yeah. bouncing back from burnout. I see a lot of media about it. What is it really? Because I mean, from my from my perspective, it's you know working too much and being really tired and needing a rest, or that's kind of a yeah. general understanding. How do you define it? So as we're recording, we are just about at the four year mark from when the World Health Organization chose a definition finally for burnout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. is 2019. They fig- they decided, mm-hmm. and burnout has three components. They based it on research done by Christina Maslach and Michael Leiter. You've had Gabor Mate on the podcast. These are people mm-hmm. that he's connected with. It's this caliber of researcher, right? Mm-hmm. So they created research over the past 50 years that says burnout. In order to say that someone has burnout, there are three components that must be present. The first is physical and emotional exhaustion. Mm-hmm. The second is cynicism and detachment. And the third is a lack of productivity or efficiency or feeling impactful. Mm-hmm. Now, we look mm-hmm. at those a little bit. It's kind of it doesn't really say much. Mm-hmm. Physical and emotional exhaustion. Everybody listening just went, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's life. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> welcome to 2023. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's, it's really hard, I think, to look at that definition and kind of understand what it means. And I think it's really difficult. And they've chosen those things on purpose because in every single person, it will come up differently. The definition also includes this little section that I strongly disagree with, but is there, Mm -hmm. that says that this is an occupational hazard, that it has to do with your job. If you're telling me, I read that and I think to myself, if you're telling me that a stay-at-home mother Mm. cannot burn out, I'm telling you you're crazy. Mm -hmm. It's just unrealistic. It's just not reasonable Mm -hmm. to say if you're not going to a workplace, then you're not burning out. It's just, just incorrect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they are trying to, they don't know how to well differentiate between burnout and depression. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to find differentiating factors. And they said, well, work will be one of them. Right. And I learned from you, Caitlin, that what, six out of 10 employees and eight out of 10 entrepreneurs have have had experiences with burnout or um, or feel that they are currently burnt out. I mean, that's the majority. I mean, huh. It's, I mean, this is, uh, when I was on your podcast, I remember, you know, for your application, it was like, share your burnout story. <laughs> this made me laugh. You're like, you wrote N-A. <laughs> I just love your personality so much, plus your conviction. Uh, but I started thinking to myself, uh, Caitlin, how, like, how would somebody know? I mean, because if you're like, oh, everyone's tired, you know, everyone... No, no one gets enough sleep. Everyone feels a bit depleted. Cynicism and detachment. Some people might say that that's a personality trait, <laughs> right? But what was the third thing? 
The, and yeah. the third thing is feeling like your work is not impactful, losing uh, productivity, losing efficiency. Well, that's also true for people who just don't really care about their jobs, right? With quiet right. quitting, it's like, or even just before quiet quitting. I know exactly. in my tech career, I didn't always feel the most engaged in my life, but exactly. I'd, I'd still show up. So I was like, oh, I'm like, could I, could I have some burnout? Has there ever been burnout? Would I even know? Like, what would the, how... If someone comes to you and they're like, I don't know, I'm working a lot, but I feel fulfilled or I feel okay. I've, I've still got time for the things that matter. Like, what do you look for? When I would say then don't worry about it. Okay. Go live your life. Okay. Cool. The things that I look for are when it comes to the physical and emotional exhaustion part, I look for, and uh, the physical side is I look for an inability to actually live your life the way you want to. So if you are someone who used to engage in exercise and that used to sort of boost you for the day, yes. and now you can't really do it, or even when you do do it, it exhausts you or you don't finish. So you, you're you not getting anything out of it other than more exhaustion. Mm -hmm. That's a key sign to me. So, and if you're unable to do your normal day. So for instance, when I was burnt out, I was living in Prague and I would go see patients in the morning and come back. And I took the tram to and from work because it's Prague. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> lovely. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense to drive. There's nowhere to park and, and the tram is efficient and cheap. So everybody mm -hmm. uses it. Mm -hmm. I would get back from work. I only worked at that time eight to one. So we're not, we're not even saying I didn't work. 12 hours and see 26 patients. Mm -hmm. I saw maybe 12 patients over five hours. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Should be okay. Mm -hmm. I would get off at my tram stop and I had a four minute walk to my apartment up a hill. Mm -hmm. I had to stop halfway up because I couldn't make it. Wow. It's that level of inability to just really live your everyday normal life. Your body can't keep up with your life. So it's so that it's level. Very clear. It's very. Clear. It's it becomes very clear, but it doesn't sound like that if you're reading the definition, right? Right. It just it kind of doesn't give right. off that much. Yes, but it is a a really severe lack of ability to live your life the way you are accustomed to living it. Mm. You just can't get through your days. I remember stopping halfway up the hill, sitting on a stoop. And bawling, crying, because I knew I had to finish getting up the hill, and then I had to take my dog for a walk, and I didn't know how I was going to do it. Like, physically didn't understand. And this is someone, I'm a lifelong athlete. Mm -hmm. I have exercised my whole life, mm -hmm. and I could not do it. So that's that part of it. The emotional portion of the physical and emotional exhaustion to me is not just feeling tired and disengaged. It's the lack of ability to manage your emotional life. Mm. So when you get triggered, your prefrontal cortex can't say, oh, no, we're, we're actually safe. This is OK. You're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. You get triggered and you blow up. You lose it. Most commonly when people call me, they say, I'm being a jerk to my kids. I'm being a jerk to my spouse. I'm being a jerk to my colleagues. I'm embarrassed about it and I can't seem to do better. I can't do better. I don't know how to do better. I can't help it. And they really can't at this moment, can't help it. Mm. And that is 
prolonged and consistent. Yes. Right? Because it's not like one day, oh, I feel resentment. Everyone leave me alone. I hate you. Right. That could happen. Exactly. Right? <laughs> to anyone, I think. This is a consistent, long lasting inability to shift out of state that you get, you feel like you're stuck in. Mm. And when someone's experiencing this, is it already too late for prevention? Because I know yes. you speak about prevention. Okay. Okay. So uh, I want to go deeper into the other two. Let's go deeper into the other two that I want to speak about prevention versus cure. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So the the second one, cynicism and detachment, if you were, it's most obvious in people that were typically optimistic Mm -hmm. because it's a massive personality shift that most people, they don't really notice themselves because it happens gradually, but -hmm. people that know them start to be like, are you all right? Mm -hmm. What's going on with you? You don't seem like yourself. That becomes a big part of it. And the detachment part is really difficult because it is a sense of detachment from self, from impact, from others, from work, from everything. So sometimes when people say, I'm being a jerk to my kids, they follow that up with, and I don't really care and I know that I should. Mm. Like, I don't care about my kids right now. Mm. I love them. I know that somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, somewhere inside me, I I know that, mm-hmm. but I just can't go away. Mm. And that adds, uh, there's a sense of aloneness in that, which I think is beyond loneliness. It's not even about being lonely. It's about just being alone, not having connection to anyone or anything. Mm. So this is a my grandmother would call this being a negative Nancy. And like you said, that can be a personality trait, Mm -hmm. but it will get worse if it's a natural personality trait Mm -hmm. and it will flip from positive to negative if you're naturally optimistic. What I find is that most people that burn out are high achievers. They're ambitious. They're not generally negative people to start. Mm -hmm. So the shift is usually pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. I've never met a burnt out person that I didn't actually like. Mm -hmm. You know, I like these people. I get Mm -hmm. these people. Mm-hmm. Because in order to burn out, you have to be moving, right? You have to be doing something. Yeah, right? yeah. It's not from lying down all day, right? That no. we become. <laughs> so it's people who are engaged in life. Yeah, try, trying to get mm-hmm. out there, and and mm-hmm. this is a conversation we can sneak back to later. But mm-hmm. people that have this incessant need to overwork to prove their worth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're busy and doing stuff all the time because if they don't, they're not valuable. Mm-hmm. So that feeling of being cut off, like an almost like a numbness, it sounds yes. like, where you're like, I don't even know why. or And I'm sure the aloneness comes from being confused around that feeling too. And thinking no one else feels like you. No one yeah. else has ever felt like this. Yes. You're not alone, my friends, if this is how you feel. If this is how you feel now. Literally this. Yes. thousands and thousands of people are mm-hmm. feeling like this right now. You are definitely not the only one. So cynical and detached. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And the last one is lack of productivity, lack of efficiency. So that goes back to not having the physical and emotional and mental energy to do your life. Mm-hmm. I don't even mean do your work. I literally, I said do your life on purpose. Mm-hmm. So you mean like wash your hair? Like yeah. Do, like yeah. you're just uh-huh. not getting anything done. You're not getting dinner out. You're ordering in too much. You mm-hmm. bought paper plates because if you have to wash another load of dishes, you're going to melt. Cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Right. Just you, yeah. everything lacks efficiency in your life. 
mm-hmm. at that point. And you've lost the ability to understand what your impact on the world is. Mm-hmm. And you don't see it as valuable no matter your job. So this happens to teachers, this happens to nurses, it happens to doctors, it happens to lawyers, it happened to me as an acupuncturist. I stopped Mm. caring if people got pregnant. Mm. The only reason it mattered to me was because I could cross them off my schedule. Mm. Another one bites the dust. Mm. Go live your life and be happy. Like I I had a knowledge of joy for them, but not a feeling. I didn't understand how impactful that work was at that time. I was literally helping people create families. I had no sense of how important that was. Yeah. It's really like having nothing left to give, right? That's how it feels like there is nothing here. Like your pilot light is off. Mm. People often picture burnout as like matches that have burnt out or like a flame, you know, like kind of, I... A pilot light is supposed to be on all the time and it gets sparked sometimes so that you can cook things and it gets, you know, shut down a little bit, but it stays burning all the time. Mm. Burnout, you don't have a pilot light to spark. So what causes this? A friend of mine and I had this conversation Mm. recently, Caitlin, because she's doing a lot of travel and she's like, she's got two kids and Mm. I think she's tired. And she said, well, then I look at someone like J-Lo or Reese Witherspoon or Kim Kardashian with all the kids and book clubs and clothes lines and liquor lines and they're at a premiere every night and they're working out two hours a day. She's like, I could, I can do it. Like she's seeking inspiration from these like hyper, almost superhuman achievers. And I'm like, well, I don't know. You kind of got to listen to yourself. You know, not everyone has the same capacity. We're not meant to be doing. So what, yeah, so tell her. And I'm like, I'm going to ask Caitlin about this. Stay tuned for this episode, friend. Like, so what, is there, is there a type of quality in a person? Is, I mean, yes, tell us. So I do not like to talk about burnout causes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because in order to determine cause, we're supposed to do uh, research style and, and experimental design research Mm -hmm. style that says, here's this factor, we're going to add this factor, and then we're going to say this caused that. Yes. It's really unethical to do that with burnout Mm and to say, we're going to do all of these things to your life. Yeah, exactly. We're going to throw like overwork at you and loss of autonomy, and we're going to have people bully you and like see if you burn out. Like we can't actually do that ethically. The International Review Board would never clear that. So we have to do observational work. We have to do different types of research designs, which allow us to find correlations. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. correlations are not causative and correlations can be misleading sometimes. So we have okay. to be really careful with the language. I think that's really important. Yes. Mm-hmm. The thing that I will say that I think doesn't get said anywhere else is this. Burnout has a web of causative factors. And the more causative factors you have, the more likely you are to be vulnerable to burnout. Does that mean you will definitely burn out? No, because you might also have a multitude of protective factors that balance those out. Mm -hmm. The web is made up of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. There are six main factors that have been studied over and over again in the workplace that we know about. Mm -hmm. They are workload, too heavy a workload, but that's just one thing. If you have a heavy workload and you don't have anything else, none of the personal stuff, none of the other work stuff, you're probably going to be fine. You might love it, right? Some people are like, they're just like, totally. Go at me. Like, yeah. yeah." Absolutely. It might be great. 
Mm-hmm. But if we're picturing a web, we're picturing yeah. this workload as one string, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Then we're picturing lack of autonomy as another string. So if you have a micromanaging boss, uh, you're not allowed control. You don't have any choice in how you do work, where you do work, how, when you get it finished, et cetera. We get that there are deadlines, mm-hmm. but if there's no flexibility and you have no control over anything that's going on, There's a lack of trust there. So the lack of control is the big thick string. And the lack of trust is like the the string on the web that you can only see when the light hits it a certain way. Mm. So it's like a feeling of helplessness almost, right? A feeling of of lack of ability to influence your own life. Ah, okay. So it's like I'm being ordered around and these are my script. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is an internal locus of control versus an external locus of control. And you Mm -hmm. can have that based on belief, based on how you were raised and some childhood stuff. But if people take away your ability to choose, Mm -hmm. then you lose it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So micromanaging bosses, like this is your cue to slow it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, step back. Yes. Yes. Slow down, sister. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we have workload and we have lack of autonomy, lack of community in the workplace. People are like, I don't need friends at work. Girl, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. And if you're an entrepreneur, you need entrepreneur friends. Yes. And if you are a speaker like me and you're not in a speaking community, you get yourself in a speaking community. You need to be with people that understand you. Yeah. It's critical. So lack mm-hmm. of community. In the workplace, this is if we're talking specific to workplace, we can talk about lack of community outside the workplace too, but that's a different string on the web. Okay. All right. So we have workload, lack of autonomy, lack of community, lack of praise and recognition. Um, If you're not getting praise and recognition for your work, your brain, the reward center of your brain doesn't light up enough. um, You're not getting that protective factor. So if you work real, real hard and somebody really sees you and they don't say, hey, good job, Susie. They say, Mm -hmm. Susie, you know what? When you showed up today, you greeted me so joyfully that it really made my heart sing and made me feel really lucky to be here. That's praise and gratitude that you feel. That helps Mm -hmm. your brain, right? When it really matters, when it comes from somebody's heart, when it's true. Yeah. Not having that in the workplace is problematic. Lack of fairness is oh. the next. Mm-hmm. So pay gap issues, racism, sexism, ageism, mm-hmm. anti-disability, anti-LGBTQ&A. We could go mm-hmm. on and on. Mm-hmm. Lack of fairness mm-hmm. is a huge issue. Mm-hmm. And the last one is a values mismatch. And a values mismatch can happen in two places. A values mismatch can happen between you and your company, even if you own your own company. Because you could have built that stuff based on somebody else's stuff, based right. on somebody or, or else's an ideas. Older version of you, oh, no, or an older version of you. Yes, a hundred percent. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is not just about an uh, an other company. This could be entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. So if you if your values and your company's values don't match, it's going to be really hard to get behind the why and feel the impact of your work. Mm-hmm. So now we see all these threads mm-hmm. are connecting. Misery, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The other values mismatch happens. This is within a company. Mostly you can do this as an entrepreneur, but if you have both of these as an entrepreneur, you really need some help. Mm -hmm. This is when a company's spoken values and acted values are different. Mm, I think we've all experienced that somewhere along the line. Oh, haven't we though? (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Haven't like, we though? We value, uh, we value, you know, equality. Everyone picks up a broom. Oh, it's just me picking up the broom. Thank you very yes. much. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if a company's values and action don't match their spoken values, there's a breakdown of their integrity, a breakdown of respect from their employees, and again, a breakdown of trust. So this thread of trust keeps skipping between all these little factors. Wow. This is fat. To me, it feels like there's the word that comes to my mind or that I feel is like resistance. There's like, you're not being recognized. Uh, you don't have autonomy. People don't say what they, they don't follow through on what they're promised. It, it just feels like the opposite of resistance being ease, like being yes. clarity, being yes. fairness. Transparency, like, Claire's, yeah. yeah, all of that. All of those things are burnout protectors. So mm-hmm. if you have a company that has a value misalignment, but they know they're in value misalignment and they communicate that, it's not problematic. Hey, you guys, we've evolved as a company. Things are off right now. We're working on it. Right. We will keep you informed. This is where we're at today. We will let you know in exactly 12 days after our shareholder meeting where things stand. Mm-hmm. That's a completely different situation. Yeah, That energy is completely different. This word trust, it's so, mm. it, it really is the threat. Like it, does self-trust come into this too, Caitlin? Oh, we're just about to get to the personal factors. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yay. You're like a step ahead of me, Sue. <laughs> I just love how you're breaking this down. It's so clear. Like, oh, yes. So we're creating this web right now. We have the web of work factors, Mm -hmm. but there's also a web of personal factors. Mm -hmm. One of the things, because you had Gabor Mate not that long ago on the podcast in his newest book, The Myth of Normal, he talks about self-autonomous, super autonomous Mm -hmm. self-sufficiency. Also known as AKA for those that were like the super what? (laughs) Hyper independence. Mm If you are a hyper-independent person because of some other trauma in your life, and this is your coping mechanism for survival, that was probably very successful for most of your life, which is why you continue to do it. So no shade. Like, there's no judgment here. We do not demonize coping mechanisms. You created them for a reason. Mm -hmm. This is a critical, this is the ethos, the bottom line ethos of my company is we never, ever demonize a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. So if you created this hyper-independence to protect yourself, like raising hand emoji mm-hmm. right here, I'm one of you. You're mm-hmm. not alone. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? If you created this, what are the chances that those six workplace factors are going to be heightened? You don't trust anybody. You are not going to reach out to community. You are not asking for help. You will take on all the workload. You don't need recognition from anybody. Because you are just perfect as you are. I need nothing from anybody else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So people are blaming the workplace for burnout and not understanding that is the relationship between those factors and the people. All of those things come together to create it. So we have super autonomous self-sufficiency is one of the factors. Perfectionism is another. These are often related. Mm-hmm. But do we want to demonize perfectionism? Like, not if you're my neurosurgeon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Girl, get that shit right. Excuse me. <laughs> right? Yes. Like, get it right. Yeah. So it's okay to use your coping mechanisms sometimes that have turned maladaptive if they can be adaptive in certain situations. 
learn how to upgrade them where they're no longer useful and causing harm and learn to still use them where they're great mm. because they're great in some places. Mm-hmm. You, I, I've heard you say this, Caitlin, that like, we're not here to shame anything. Like, or no. anybody, right. Because if, uh, the opposite of that, the opposite, it, it's easier to go, well, yeah, I am extremely self-sufficient because, you know, maybe I was neglected and like, yeah, exactly. This is, and this is how I survive. And, um, and maybe I also spend too much time on social media or I also like have right. a, a half bottle of wine like, or whatever. And like, I'm just trying to get by. <laughs> and <laughs> like, and I'm, good. Yes. I'm so glad you have those things. Mm-hmm. And let's look at them and see where mm-hmm. is this most useful to me so that you can lean on it when you really need to. Yeah. And where could I learn to open it up a little bit to welcome in some trust, mm-hmm. some love, some attention? some value, some self-value, some self-worth. We don't need to break it down completely. Right. We just need to make some space. With the self-trust piece. Yeah. I remember when I was in my corporate job, uh, we were in sales, which is like high pressure. If you don't meet meet your quota per quarter, you could be fired. Like it's in the contract. And in my opinion, I was like, well, that's what I sign up for. It's like, this is mm-hmm. it, you know? I also always thought, well, there are loads of jobs. Like I could always get another job, right? I could hustle and do that. But I noticed some of my colleagues, we had the same quotas, similar kind of work schedules, and some would be so stressed out and they would be fighting with each other, uh, wanting lots of meetings to talk about things. And I didn't feel that way. For whatever reason, I just didn't. I frankly didn't Super take autonomous a- self-sufficiency. Oh, <laughs> Well, there you go. It's part of it. I also frankly didn't take it as seriously as they did. I don't think. I just, um, I don't know. I just thought, well, yeah, this is the quota. It's the job. And if not this, then something else. Like there was a, I don't know. I I, I couldn't understand why they got so worked up about so many things. Right. And they couldn't understand my lack of. Right. So the super autonomous self-sufficiency will often come with a lack of stress in areas like that because you're like, well, if this doesn't work out, I know I've got myself. Right. You don't really have a reason to fear because you've got, you know, you're going to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Literally whatever it takes. Yeah, that's true. To get, right? Yeah. Other people don't have that deep sense of like, I've got myself here. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. The other thing is different people do have different capacity. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this is genetic. Oh. And epigenetic. Right. This is some, another thing that Gabor Monte talks about. Mm-hmm. But there are studies that show that mother, especially mothers to daughters, if a mother goes through a very significant stressor during her pregnancy, mm-hmm. there is a likelihood of an epigenetic change on the stress response system. This means an epigenetic change means that there's like a volume knob that gets added to one of your genes that either turns down the function of the gene or turns up the function of the gene. To make it to keep it in really simple terms mm-hmm. for listeners, I know you know this stuff. <laughs> but if somebody out there is like Epawa, that's yes, what it yes. means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this epigenetic change turns down your stress response system and your stress response ability. Mm-hmm. So maybe instead of being able to handle ten out of ten for stress, you're able to handle seven out of ten before your system goes haywire. Mm. So you might be living the same exact life as the person next door, but your system does not have that capacity. And so you'll get into a a thing of self-judgment, 
And now we're back to the self-trust. You don't trust yourself because you don't think that everybody else is doing it and I can't do it. What's going on? Uh, 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 over and over and over again. So this there can be an epigenetic portion yes. to your little web. And the web continues. So if you are someone who has a dampened response, stress response system, your stress response system is supposed to work that the hormones go up so high that the stress response system then goes down. Like that's how your body stops the stress response. Your stress hormones go through the roof and then your body says, oh, we're through the roof. We can go back down. When your stress response volume button is down, you don't go all the way to the roof. So your body never shuts it down. So you just stay stressed all the time. So you have a lessened stress response, but you are more often stressed for longer periods of time. And it kind of manifests in the body, right? We see this. Of course. Yeah, we see, I mean, yeah, we see different reactions based on individuals, but people have- Headaches, gut, neck pain, blood insomnia, pressure. blood yeah. pressure, hypertension, you know, mm. hypertension, blood pressure, same yeah. thing, Katie. Hi, hi. <laughs> I study science. <laughs> Right, so, <laughs> yeah, but these things manifest All these differently, things. of course. Ah. So, if someone is judging themselves, then based on oh, but you know, Claire in marketing works longer than me and has a kid and is planning a wedding, and da 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 da. Uh, why am I so weak over here? I can't take on one more thing because I'm about to c- cry. I mean, yeah. that's ju- we're just designed differently. We're designed differently, and Claire might have a more protective factors than you. Mm-hmm. And she might have more self-trust than you. Mm-hmm. My belief is that building self-trust through consistent respect of your body's signals and responses to those signals mm-hmm. is what builds self-worth and self-love. I've heard you speak about this and it's those foundational things, basic yeah. things, right? Basic that we, things. That we override. We're like, sorry, Completely. you need me, I won't use the bathroom. You need yes. me, I won't eat lunch. Like, yes. could, could you talk to us about that a bit? Because I thought, wow, this is, I've done, like I do that. I'm like, <gasps> in We yeah. all do it. Yeah. The question is, how consistently are we doing it? Mm-hmm. To me, this is called, in my business, this is called foundational self-care. Yes. And it is how you start getting out of burnout. Mm-hmm. And the rules are, Pee when you have to pee, Mm -hmm. eat when you have to eat, drink when you're thirsty, rest when you're tired, Mm -hmm. right? The the very basic things. If your body says, I'm in pain, stop doing the thing. Mm -hmm. When you don't do this, you break down your own self-trust and your own integrity. And your body starts to say, she's not going to listen to me anyway. She doesn't care about me. I'm not worth being taken care of. Mm. But when you start again to say, oh, actually, I'm thirsty. I'm going to actually stand up and get myself water. Your body will rejoice. And if you do it seven times out of 10, you are killing it. I'm not telling you to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And I know sometimes you have to wait till that meeting ends to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. But if you are writing one more email instead of going to the bathroom every single time you have to go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. you are telling your body you do not deserve my attention. And then you wonder why you don't feel worthy in the world. I actually work with someone, Caitlin, once. She used to have water at the bottom of her desk, like a packet of it, like a packet mm-hmm. of bottles, because she didn't have time to use the bathroom in between all of her meetings. Yeah, like, it come was- on. Yeah. And then she was, um, no surprise, like she had to take a a leave because she was from, from exhaustion and she was dehydrated. I mean, there was a, 
And she had to really start her life over again. I mean, that was observing it. But you know what? I remember, actually, this is, I'd love to get your opinion on this. I remember at the time she was my senior. So I couldn't, it wasn't my place to say, hey, right. um, I, I, do, I remember a couple of times I'd make like gentle hints, like, you know, maybe we don't have to attend that one or, you know, like you've already given so much today. Like, let's, let's go for a martini. And um, I could feel her dis- detachment. Like mm. her personality was different then. We're, we're very close friends now yeah. uh, still, but she, uh, she, she was just not herself. Like there, mm. her, her negativity was like, Oof, she was, was burnt out. She was burnt out. She knows that. Uh, how can we help some, like, can we help anybody if, I mean, from two perspectives, as a friend or observer, or also as a manager, because I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this podcast too, and they've got hardworking teams. So yeah. if it's someone we love, if we're like, if it's our wife or husband or friend, is there something we can do to help? And then also from a senior perspective, if we're like, how do I stop my team members who love to work and please me or work on these big launches and stuff with yeah. me? Yeah. So if we're talking about le- from the leadership position, the best thing that leaders can do, well, the top two things actually that leaders can do are number one, modeling the behavior you want to see. So Ooh. if you say, I wish you wouldn't work so hard, and then you're sending emails at 10 p.m., <gasps> guess what? <laughs> okay. Okay. So number one, look at yourself. Look at what you're actually demanding of this person. Be really honest about what your demands are. Okay, so no no slacks on Saturday mornings. Go right. Do you slack me on a Saturday morning. I will slack you on a Saturday morning. <laughs> Another kind of slack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interest. Okay, okay. Because sometimes I do that actually too. Yeah, right. just thinking the- while I remember. But yeah, you're right. It sends a message. Mm-hmm. It does send a message, and you can yeah. just as easily you can just as easily write the email as a draft and, and get ske- or not even yeah. schedule it to send at a at Monday at nine a.m. Right. Just schedule it. So modeling it. Model the behavior you want people to see. And taking vacations yourself. Take a vacation. And while you're on vacation, trust your team to do their jobs in your stead. Mm -hmm. If you don't trust them enough, that means you're not doing your job as a leader. If you can't rely on your team while you're gone, you are not a leader. Hear that, everybody? <laughs> Micromanagers. Oh, let me just check in. Oh, wait, did you do that thing yet? Wait, can I see it? <gasps> okay, so trust. Let them work. Yeah. Let, okay. Let them Love. work. Oh, my gosh. Okay, yes. Take your time off. So th- that's the one thing. The other thing that managers can do is work on the levels of psychological safety in the workplace. Right. Right. This is Brene Brown. This is mm-hmm. Susan Davis. This is the best names in the business are telling mm-hmm. us we need to increase belonging, decrease shame, and make it so that people can speak up about their problems. Does that guarantee that Sally self-autonomous, super autonomous self-sufficiency is going to speak up? No. Right. Does it make it more likely that she'll speak up? Yeah. She might still not. But your job is to ensure that if she should have an inkling of an idea that she might, that you've created a safe enough space for it to happen. And you don't mean just paying lip service to this by saying, no. oh, here's a welcome here. And then, sh- you know, wait, let me talk right. the whole time. And then I've got to leave now. It's like actually going, and what do you think about that? And, and actually listening. Yeah. So I think psychological yeah. safety, you build in a couple of ways. One of them is a curiosity over judgment. Mm-hmm. So as a, as a leader, if you are not curious about your people and you are judging their work, you are doing them a disservice. Mm-hmm. I think uh, failing first 
So failing first is this idea that you share the things that you messed up mm-hmm. as the team leader and said, this is what I messed up last week. And this and either this is how I fixed it or I haven't fixed it yet. Does anybody have any ideas? Mm-hmm. This means that people, when they mess up before it turns, it snowballs into something major because they're afraid to talk to you. They know that they can talk to you about the things that they messed up because you've talked about the things that you've messed up. And I promise you, you messed something up. Oh, yes. But sometimes we're afraid to show any humility, right? At all. Yeah. But we have to for psychological safety. And the last little game that was uh, introduced to me from my friend Shamas Pitts, who is a leadership consultant. She's incredible. She, it's the just like me game. Oh, yeah. You told you me know about the just this. Like, yeah, yeah, we talked about this. You told me about it. Yeah, tell us again. <laughs> right. So the just like me game is this idea that if somebody's emailing you, you're getting really frustrated with them and you've decided they're like not your tribe. You know, you've pushed them out to other them in some way, shape, or form. You might even be embarrassed about how you feel about them. You can't get along, whatever it happens to be. Your job is to rehumanize that person in your own eyes. And you do that by as soon as you feel that negative reaction pop up where you're like, oh my God, this one again. You say, he, she, or they just want to be loved and supported just like me. He, she, or they have a family at home that loves them just like me. He, she, or they is just trying to do a good job just like me. He, she, or they has parents that love them just like me, right? Just these whatever things that you can say that you feel like are true. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say this out loud at your desk. It might be a little awkward, but you can say it in your head. Mm. A reminder to yourself that you're just looking at another human being increases psychological safety massively on teams if we just remember consistently that we're all just getting through the day right now, honey. We're all just walking each other home. I love that advice. It's so practical. Like it's so applicable. I mean, does the praise and recognition piece come into Mm. this too, Caitlin? Like as, so actually giving feedback where like, Not exactly. holding back or going, oh, she knows how I feel about her, or he he knows yeah. that I appreciate don't, it. Don't make, yeah, please don't make that assumption. Yeah. It's easy to do that sometimes. Oh. Mm. You know where it's easiest to do it? Where? At home. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I ask the phrase consistently. I'm like, isn't this great? Didn't I do so well? <laughs> Good. Yeah. We need it. Daily. I'm like, look at me. Don't I look nice today? <laughs> I mean, you look, you, you look gorgeous. <laughs> Thanks, Caitlin. <laughs> you too. <laughs> okay. So as a leader, those steps are, are so helpful. What about like if a friend or like a fellow mom in your group or something like that is feeling or a sister, like would you go? Oof. This is a little trickier. Because it can be touchy. It can be really touchy and people don't often know that they're burnt out mm-hmm. and would be offended to hear that that's a possibility. Because again, most of us that burn out are high achievers. We're ambitious. We're hyper um, responsible. Like we have failure or something. Yeah. We're like, well, why can't I handle it all? If I'm burnt out, I can't be that smart or I can't be that. Yeah. So this is not really meant to be a plug for my podcast, but it will be a plug for my podcast. But this is one of those things like, hey, I've been listening Mm -hmm. to this podcast. Ah, yes. There's this episode I think you would like. And then it's up to them. In the meantime, the only thing you can do is be there consistently. Show up, whether they want you to show up or not. Consistently be there. 
Just let them know. You're, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. They're going to tell you to F off probably at some point. And you have to be there anyway. And by the way, the podcast is called Fried. We're going to be speaking about this more. And the image is I didn't totally plug it. I know. I love it. But Fried, it's so good. I mean, I I love how you're dedicated to this. Like, I love how you're dedicated to this area, especially with its, I mean, its prevalence now. I mean, maybe not even its prevalence now, but the fact that it's a mainstream discussion now. I think there's something new about this, right? It's like women and men for years have... Have been felt this, me. but yeah. now we're finally talking about it. I think the pandemic really threw us over the edge. Mm, oh my right? god! When we let's think about it: lack of community, mm-hmm. heavy workload, right? Like all of these societal lack of safety, mm-hmm. inability mm-hmm. to self care because you couldn't get to the grocery store, lack of connection with your communities, no social support. Mm-hmm. There's so many of these factors mm-hmm. that were. People are like, why was burnout worse during the pandemic? I'm like, which reason do you want? Mm. <laughs> How long have you got? Yeah, like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we could make this list all day together. We we absolutely could. I mean, one other thing that I've heard you say, Caitlin, that I think is really interesting, and I'd love to dive into it, is uh, throwing out your gratitude journal. <laughs> I love a counterintuitive piece of advice, like a good on bold perspective. Uh, I love it when you're like, oh, well, don't just write down your gratitudes. Like I've got my arms and legs. I've got my kids. I've got my, like, <laughs> tell us about that because maybe, are we being shamed that we're not grateful if we're burning out? Like what? what? Well, here's the thing. When you are burnt out, your brain, there's a lot of things going on in your brain. You look some parts of it shrink, some parts of it grow. It's like a mess up there. Mm. You can't really experience gratitude the way that gratitude needs to be experienced to be transformational. So I'm not saying, to be very clear, (laughs) that gratitude is not a good practice. Yes. I'm saying it's a terrible practice when you're burnt out because in order for gratitude to work, you've got to have that sensation that flows through your body. That That moment, Yes. Mm -hmm. That moment that floods through your chest that you're like, you you actually feel that gratitude. Mm-hmm. When you feel it, it changes your physiology. We know this. Mm-hmm. But when you're burnt out, you can't feel it. So you make the stupid lists. Mm-hmm. And it, they don't mean anything because you don't feel anything. And you're like, I'm sitting here every night writing my three things I'm grateful for before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. Stupid. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, just, I'm losing help. two more minutes of sleep for this. Yeah. yeah it doesn't yeah. help. It's not helpful. Mm-hmm. So I ask people instead. To do a resentment journal, which is my favorite thing. My best-selling keynote is resentment is your superpower. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's such a, it's like a big seller this year. It's really, yeah. it's been really fun. Why did a give. superpower? Tell us with a list and with a talk. Yeah. When you focus on actually acknowledging your resentment and then saying, I'm going to do something with this, it will teach you very quickly and without question where your boundaries have broken down. Mm -hmm. Then you get to decide what you want to do about that. People are often giving boundary advice without explaining why we're not setting them in the first place. Mm -hmm. If you look at the resentment first and then you see where the boundary is broken down, you can look at it and ask a few questions of it Mm -hmm. to say, what's really going on here? Am I holding on to something that I don't really need to be doing because I think people should be grateful for it, but then they're not, so then I'm mad? There's a lot of that resentment out there. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Am I resentful because I don't have the right tool for this? And if I just upgraded my frying pan that sticks every morning, I would feel a lot better. Sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes it's a frying pan or a new mug or a blanket on your couch that's not scratchy. Mm-hmm. Am I resentful because somebody is taking advantage of me? I feel resentment about that sometimes. That's probably, yeah. I'm like, people right? want too much from me. They want to be, everyone wants a piece of me or yeah. they ask for too much. You know, they'll take everything. They'll take my, they take my organs if I let them. Like in yeah. my worst moments, I'm like, and Stop. they probably would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest, they probably would. Right, right. The question then becomes in that, Am I giving away more than I want to Mm -hmm. for the sake of seeming generous Mm -hmm. because it's the right thing to look like? Mm -hmm. Am I giving in accordance with my generosity, with my actual generosity? And do I think that with my success, I should be more generous than I am? Yes. I mean, sometimes it even floors me, Caitlin, have people like reach out going, Hey, can we catch? And I'm like, what? I can't do, what do you mean? Like, no. I've been, I don't, I don't even remember working with you. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know your last name. Like, and then it's yeah. like, do you want to catch up and talk? And I'm like, no. And it makes me feel really resentful that the request is even there on my LinkedIn or whatever. And I'm like, no yeah. way. Or then people, um, even if you like say, of course, show up and deliver, you know, the value that you promise. And then it's just like, oh, never enough, never enough. No, they always want more. Yeah. And that is, that my resentment can creep up quickly. Like it's not a slow burn. It's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm like, I gave you everything. Like you've been given so much. Like, oof. (laughs) I even find, um, sometimes I, this is where I am. Like, this is like a, a bit of a different topic, but I even find if people are feeling resentment consistently, maybe they're also not charging enough. Like, yes. Are you? Yes. And this is about your generosity again. Mm-hmm. Somebody once said to me, oh, your coaching prices are a little high. And I said, that's okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I charge enough mm-hmm. to always feel generous. Yes. I charge enough so that no matter what you're asking for, I feel generous about it. Mm -hmm. And if I'm charging as much as I possibly can and I'm still not feeling generous, that's because I don't actually want to do that thing. Mm, And my resentment taught me that. So Mm -hmm. I take those things off my schedule. Some of the highest paying things I do have come off my schedule Mm. because I don't feel good when I do them. Oh, that is so interesting. You know, I was reading about um, in one of my self-help books about this uh, plastic surgeon who felt miserable. And he was like, I was offered half a million dollars to give a breast augmentation on mm. Christmas Eve. And he was like, it's 10 times regular price. But I was like, nope. No. He's like, and he and then he he kind of gave up. He was like, I'm so sick of doing cosmetic surgery. And he went yeah. to a lot of philanthropic work. He'd reached a point at that stage. And it was like, he was like, it was so clear that even for a two-hour surgery, you know, yeah or whatever it was. He's like, I wouldn't even do it for half a million. But like, I know that's an extreme example, but he was depressed. It's a good example. He was burnt out. And there is a delineation point. We don't, again, I'm repeating from before, it's not always exactly clear, but you can be burnt out and not depressed at all. But if you have a tendency toward depression already, when you're burnt out, you will also be depressed. When I was burnt out, I was more, more anxious, but I have a tendency toward anxiety anyway. So my burnout went to the anxious side. Some other people's burnout will go to the depressive side. 
But this is the same way I felt about my patients. I had a three-month waiting list for fertility work when I was in Poland. And people would call me on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. screaming at me for not getting them in sooner. And I'm like, I am out of space, people. Mm. But the problem at that time was that I thought she was right on some level Mm. or feared she was right on some level, Mm -hmm. that I wasn't giving enough, that I wasn't enough. Mm. So my work there is more about my own internal stuff than it is about external boundaries. There's a, a place that I, I bought a an online sales page template at some point. Mm-hmm. A lot yep. of people will know what that is with the yes. entrepreneur crowd, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So I bought, I, I downloaded it. And of course you can download it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, mm-hmm. right? Because it's an online thing. So I download it. I'm like getting, I was doing my resentment journal page yeah. and I was like, oh, so excited. <laughs> now it's like, it's terrible, but it's still up because I refuse mm-hmm. to change it. Yeah. And I wrote to them, at two o'clock on a Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern time on a Friday and said, hey, I have a question about the color scheme, something like that. They wrote back at 5.15 answering my question mm-hmm. that same Friday, super fast, wasn't expecting mm-hmm. it that fast, super fast. Mm-hmm. And I wrote back, thank you. Their autoresponder said, you know, we really love to serve our customers and we're so obsessed with making sure that you're happy with our products that we can't peel ourselves away from our phones and we're missing times with our family and we're doing and eh. and so if you could really like help keep your mailing between nine and five Monday through Friday. Meanwhile, somebody in Singapore is like, I don't know what time it is in New York. Right. That's so interesting to put the expectation on someone else. But right? people, it's it's interesting until you realize that people do this all the time. Boundaries have two places, internal and external. Everybody that's giving advice about boundaries, except for Haley Page McGee on Instagram, who is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is talking about what you say to other people to set your boundaries. Mm-hmm. 90% of boundary work is stuff that you need to stop doing. Right. Ways that you need to stop jumping over your own fence into somebody else's backyard. Mm. ways that you need to stop assuming that somebody is trying to get you. Mm. When I got that email from them, I was first like really turned off. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, this is great content. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. I have a friend, she has four kids and a a business. And she said, um, her email says, uh, I don't respond after 7 p.m. Give me some grace. I've got a thousand kids. Yeah. (laughs) And so like, that's funny. That's cute. Yeah, it's cute. It's funny. And you could just as easily say, hey, I'm out of the office now. I'll write to you when I get back tomorrow after 10 a.m. Right. Sure. Exactly. But yeah. you don't even have to say anything. Yeah. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to say anything. We're it's not my it. job to not email you so that you don't check your email. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that so funny? <laughs> like what? I just sat there. At first I was like, real, like I'm from Massachusetts. We can get a little spicy. You know, I, I was like, get, I was feeling a little spicy about it. And then I was like, oh, this is such great content. I can't even be mad. Like this is, this is incredible. This is not my job, honey. Put your phone down. You want to be with your kids? Put your phone down. Put it on airplane mode. I don't care. Mm -hmm. And you just emailed me at 515. Mm -hmm. So you broke your own rule and then yelled (laughs) at me for saying thank you. It's so good. Like, like what? what a good example of like some pretty colorful boundary. <laughs> like, what? That's not how this works. Mm-mm. So resentment is this way that if you really listen to it, 
It will show you where you need to shift things in your business. Resentment literally is my business plan. Mm, wow. Wow. I'm just thinking about how that could show up like in so many ways. It's like conversations you need to have, maybe some pricing stuff, yep. maybe stop pr- pr- letting go of some projects that yep. are just not you anymore. Or- yep. All of that. All of those things. All of those things. I remember getting paid for an event, a speaking event mm-hmm. that I decided to do at a discount f- to help a friend. Yeah. And after I got my check, I was like, Ugh. Mm. and I was like, "Ooh, I'm not doing that anymore. Ah, so this is why resentment's a superpower. It's this is where it's a superpower. Oh, I'm not doing that anymore, which meant that I could still keep my relationship with that friend. Because if you're not paying attention to the resentment and then deciding you can do it different in the future, you're trying to change the past. Ah, yes. And you stay mad. You throw an attitude. You're passive aggressive to your friend who got you a gig. And you're punishing them in your mind and like silent treatment and doing And when they call you, you're like, what do they want from me now? (laughs) Like, oh, I roll. I know I'm ignoring that. I already gave, I already gave so much. Yes. Oh, oh, this is so good. I mean, I could just keep you. Um, Can I ask another couple of questions? Yeah, of course. Um, What's your opinion of burnout or how social media contributes to burnout? There's so much talk about this now. And I just saw something else, a big announcement about teenagers, especially who are really reporting all these symptoms. What's your relationship with social media and what do you advise if it makes you feel Right. So yeah. I'm, I'm like hashtag obsessed and I'm a bad person to ask this question oh. because I spend a lot of time <laughs> scrolling. I just f- like full on admission um, mm-hmm. here. But spending that much time on your phone over the course of the day does interfere with your brain's ability to rest and rejuvenate properly. Right. So even just on the level of not having enough time for brain regeneration, it is damaging and will be a factor in burnout. So I think that's part of it. And then we didn't get into the cultural factors and the environmental factors that cause burnout. There's, you know, we could, uh, cause we could talk about it for like 18 hours, Yeah, but the, there are cultural factors that, that add to burnout and it's marketing and advertising. And it's the, the constant messaging of not enoughness. You, if you're already feeling like you're not enough, so you're overworking and you're trying to be perfect and you're trying to be, do everything by yourself. The, the United States, especially, I know that we have listeners everywhere, but especially in the United States, two of our top 10 values in this country are hard work and individualism. Mm-hmm. What do you, I mean, when it's in your face all day, every day, mm-hmm. and you get into that nonstop comparison thing, and let me tell you how many people do not pee when they have to pee when they're TikToking. <sighs> so just the consciousness around this. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. Because I feel like there's, yeah, on some level we're like, oh, we know it's not real life, but then it's almost like watching a scary movie. You know it's not happening, yeah. but you're still but your like- your adrenaline is going up anyway. Yeah. And you're glued to it and you're still yes. scared. Yes. <laughs> right? <gasps> okay. And then um, we did touch on before prevention versus cure. Mm. So if someone's like, because I've thought about it, especially during, during very busy periods, I'm like, I don't feel burnt out because I- I do feel good, but yeah. I, I know it could happen, especially, you know what it's like, there are seasons, right? There are and seasons of opportunity. What, what is your, what your, what's your best prevention advice for someone who's, because I know we have ambitious listeners, people who want to yeah. fill rich, diverse lives, you know, do all the things. What's your? I don't have a ton of prevention advice because burnout prevention is really just stress management. 
Mm-hmm. So do your gratitude journals, meditate, exercise, close your stress cycle. The the book, the um, unlocking burnout, unlocking the stress cycle, mm-hmm. the Nagoski sisters. It's, it's an incredible book, and we'll explain it to you. That book for burnout recovery can be a little tough because their suggestions are very preventive, um, prevention oriented. Mm-hmm. And so it's just stress management before. But most people are not thinking about burnout anything until they're on the other side. So I think putting an expectation on people to prevent burnout is is almost too heavy. Yeah, (laughs) it's too much. Like, I'd rather you just get burnt out and then call me and let's deal with it. Mm -hmm. Because we know all the ways to prevent diabetes, any of the not non-heritable, clearly, right? Mm -hmm. right? Any of the diabetes that's caused by lifestyle, we know how to prevent it. It still happens. Right. We don't think about it, though. We're not thinking about it until we go to the doctor. They're like, your A1C levels are really high. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. I don't need you to notice it and, and be a champion and fix it before it even starts. It's okay if it happens. It's just like anything else that happens in your life. Just know that it can unwind. And is the recovery path like, can it be rapid? Does it, does it take a long period of time to come back to yourself? Because of the brain changes that happen, so parts of your brain shrink, other parts grow, and you, you do need a significant period of time to rest and regenerate at a deep enough level in order for your brain to sort of reorganize itself. And that can happen. The, the brain is plastic. It's magical. It can do all sorts of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you do need to learn to work within your capacity and your recovery. Because if you keep pushing beyond what you're capable of, you're constantly going beyond your regenerative needs. So if, you're, if you have 70% of your battery to use every day and you're always using 80 then as you're regenerating, you have to do the 10 first. And then, mm-hmm. and so then you're waking up the next day and you've only got 60 because mm-hmm. you regenerated up to 70 because that's how much you have. Mm-hmm. And then you go another 10 behind and then you're at 50. Right. And you can't get there. So you really do. There are some significant lifestyle changes often that have to be made. You can recover while you're still working. I did. I I didn't have the financial ability to quit my job. So I Mm -hmm. did do that. But it did require me to do some serious adjusting, especially around my own expectations for my patients' wellness and my desires for them to be better than they wanted them to be. Mm, Which in in a way is good news because that's up to you. Right. right, like that. Exactly, like that gets you within your own control. Versus, because sometimes we're like, oh, celebrity goes checks into rehab. We can't all do that, right? We no, can't, we can't leave our jobs. We can't leave exactly. our family. You know, so, exactly. But there are lifestyle changes that we can make totally. to get on the right track. And you're the expert, Kayla. We need to come to you. I mean, so I'm here. Yeah. So, can you tell us all the ways you can find you, follow it, follow you, work with you? Over to you, Kayla. I'm going to give one way only because okay. if you're burnt out. You're not going to remember any of the things I said anyway. <laughs> Great point. Yes. <laughs> Fried the Burnout Podcast is the best place to start because you can start getting accustomed to some of the science, some of the understanding. My goal for every episode of Fried is to create a moment of healing so that you can take a step forward in your recovery and drop shame, blame, guilt, or judgment, even if for a moment. So start there. You don't have to work with me eventually. You might find somebody else's voice that really works for you. I'm here for that. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Mm. I want you to get better. Mm. But start with something simple. If you start there, if you start at Fried the Burnout Podcast, you'll find all the different ways to find me. 
Mm. And I'm in all the I'm in all the places. So I just told you I love social media. So <laughs> yes, <gasps> Caitlin, how generous of you! Like to to just really open up with so many oh, so many insights today. Thank you. I'm I'm so grateful. Like I really appreciate you, and I'm so excited to share this with our people. Like. I know they're going to love it. So my friends, Fried the Burnout Podcast, the images of a frying pan. You cannot miss it. And Caitlin is wonderful. She is a very no-nonsense lady. So she just tells you the truth. She's straight from the hip person. And I love that. I love that as a characteristic. And Caitlin, I'm honored to know you. I, I hope you'll Ditto. come back. We, I, I feel like we could continue this conversation. I would we haven't be even honored. talked about anything yet. You know? <laughs> We're scratching the, the surface here. But truly, what a joy. Thank you. I hope you'll come back. And my friends, Fried the Burnout Podcast. Caitlin, thank you so, so much. Thank you so, so much. Bye-bye for now, my love. Hey friend, I've got something really cool for you. I want to give you free access to my signature course called Slay Your Year, which typically sells for $997. You can check it out, all the details at slayyouryear.com. All you have to do to get access is leave me a review, leave a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, take a snapshot of it and send it to info at susie-more.com. That's info at susie-more.com and we'll get you set up with access.